Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello, and welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, conversations with the diabetes care team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm your host, Kirsten Yale, the Associate Director for Research at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. Today's episode was recorded on location at ADCES 22 in Baltimore. Over the next several weeks, we're bringing you captured conversations from the conference. If you haven't attended an ADCES conference yet, these conversations will serve as a window into the experts, technology, trends, and topics you'll come across at the event. Of course, it's not too late to get access to these, as select sessions are available on demand now through October 24th at adces22.org. Dr. Jane Jeffrey Seeley is my guest for today's discussion on technology. Jane is an assistant professor of medicine at Weill Cornell Medicine, the director of strategy for the Diabetes Technology Society, a nurse practitioner, and of course, a certified diabetes care and education specialist. She's brought her expertise in technology and experience in a variety of practice settings to this discussion to bring you top highlights from the technology scene at the conference. She's talking about what's new and what's next in CGM, BGM, insulin delivery, connected devices, and more. Jane references specific devices and manufacturers here, but keep in mind that these references represent the views of our guests and are shared for educational purposes. They do not represent an, an endorsement by ADCES. Jane and I jump into the discussion right after these important messages from ADCES. ADCES 22 On Demand Access is available from August 22 through October 24. If you already registered for ADCES 22 in Baltimore, then on-demand access is included in your registration, free of charge. If you miss the in-person event, this is your chance to access select recorded education sessions and earn up to 20.5 continuing education credits. While you're there, visit the virtual exhibit hall and access leading education, research, and industry posters. Visit adces22.org for more details. Technology-enhanced or technology-enabled diabetes care and education is always changing. Keep up with reimbursement, data application, and virtual care with an ADCES certificate program. ADCES members have free access to three programs, telehealth, continuous glucose monitoring, and connected insulin delivery devices. Start learning today at diabeteseducator.org certificates. So Jane, welcome to the huddle. Well, thank you so much for inviting me, and it's so much fun to be here working with you for these few minutes, Kirsten. You know, when I see you, I always think technology, and since we're at the meeting, it just makes me think, possibly you could share with our listeners, what is the latest and greatest? I mean, there's so many things as we look around us here, so much new technology, and so many new ways to connect technology. You are the expert. Walk us through what you're seeing. I, I think there's a lot of things that are new within companies we already know and love. 
And that's very exciting for us because we already have trust in their products. And now they have newer features, better accuracy, easier use, better coverage. That's a good one. So it's very exciting for me when I finally get to be able to recommend new products that we know have been coming. And a lot of times it takes years with FDA these days to get approval for things. So there are quite a lot of new products now that are available. So what, what is new? What, what are these new features and what, what is the accessibility? Can you walk us through this? All right. So I hope I can remember everything I want to tell you. But let me, let me give you an idea about continuous glucose monitoring. The, the thing about continuous glucose monitoring is that it's the best thing that's ever happened to diabetes in so many years. I mean, yeah, there's been newer insulins, there's been newer pumps, but the ability to know your glucose every one to five minutes throughout the day and night is groundbreaking. And for us as diabetes care and education specialists, it's made us like probably one of the most important members of the team because we unlock the key to that data. We understand it. We discuss it with the patient in ways that the patient can understand it with us, and we help them to make smart changes based on what we learn. So we want these glucose sensors to be as simple and easy to wear and to utilize and to download and understand. And we are really growing in leaps and bounds. If I think about 10 years ago, the proposition of a CGM and what it's like now, where now we have this tiny little thing on the skin that's comfortable to wear, and there's all kinds of new skincare products coming out and ways to make it stay on and be more comfortable and not irritate the skin. So all of these things are being addressed as we and the people we care for express you know, our wish list, and the companies are listening to us. There's a buzz around the conference around CGM and type 2. To date, not many type 2 people wear CGMs. I mean, sometimes they do. You have to be at, at a certain point. Um, what, what do you think? What, what are you hearing about people with type 2 wearing CGMs? How important do you think it is? I think that anyone who has diabetes, even if they don't take any medication, at least some of the time should be wearing CGM. And we have the ability now to offer people and get reimbursed as often as every 30 days for a professional CGM. When you put a professional CGM on the patient, now suddenly you're open to all this information you never had before. Maybe if you were lucky, they check their blood once or twice a day. Maybe, maybe not. So you know everything that's going on all day and all night, and you can make much better recommendations with them and share decision-making to get them to go. Were you on a recent paper, too, that I read, even beyond? And and so I appreciate everything you're saying. Absolutely. People should be wearing CGMs all the time, everywhere. Um, even pre-diabetes, what do you think about people wearing CGMs that don't have, that aren't, aren't at the diabetes state yet? So that's a tricky thing. I don't have any objection to it because when you have pre-diabetes, you're probably already getting postprandial rises far beyond what they should be and you don't know it. Because that's really what starts. And when they see what happens, when they eat that bowl of pasta or that big thing of rice and beans, they start to eat smaller portions and exercise after they eat it and so on. But the, the problem is that the insurance isn't going to cover it if they don't have the diagnosis of diabetes. So, for example, even people with gestational diabetes, they have to pay for the CGM usually. It won't be covered because the indication on a CGM is for people with type 1 and type 2 diabetes. So that's a limiting factor if the person can't afford it. But to the credit of the CGM company, 
companies, they're trying to bring the out-of-pocket costs down and down and down, often order, you know, deals like on um, GoodRx where you can get a discount. Or you know what? You don't have to wear it all the time. I tell people if it's too expensive, wear it on the first of every month until it's, you know, time is up. Or wear it every other month or every three months. I don't care what you do because some information is so much better than no information. The other thing is the products are becoming much simpler and the companies have worked very hard on reimbursement. So it used to be you had to take insulin and you had to have at least three shots a day to get covered. But more and more of the commercial insurances are stepping up and are covering it even though people aren't even taking insulin. So it is possible, and I think it's going to be more so in the future. Everyone can benefit from having this information. How about connected technology? You know, the connected technology is great that all of your information could be in one place in one app, but the biggest value of CGM, especially for people that are on therapy and, and especially insulin, is that you get an early warning. I mean, it's not just about that number and the question about how accurate is that number compared to your glucose meter. I don't really care about that number as much as I care about that trend and that alert or alarm to tell me, hey, you're dropping really fast or you're going up really fast and you have the opportunity to prevent getting a lower high. That is one of the greatest values of a CGM. It really is groundbreaking to see how far we've come over the years. Yeah, and the, and the other part about it, when you think about clinical inertia, not just for the patient, but the provider many times, you know, was afraid to increase the medication and put them on insulin. Oh, they're going to get low. When you're wearing a CGM, you don't have to get low. You right. can prevent that low. So it's, it's a whole new world now. And for type twos, CGM is a really important proposition now. So let's talk about a couple of products. So what's been happening lately? Free, Freestyle came out with the Libre 3. The Libre 3 is a better algorithm. Than the, it's always going to be a better algorithm each time the new version comes out. It's very simple to use. It's smaller. It's more comfortable. And it works beautifully on your phone. And that's all you need to do. You don't need to carry anything else around. And you don't have to scan. Right. So the problem with scanning is that if you didn't scan at least every eight hours, you would lose some data. So that's been eliminated. Okay. So that's a very important improvement in the CGM. Super. So the next one is the Sensionics. So the Sensionics, if you haven't looked into this, is an implantable sensor that goes under the skin, just a small amount under the skin. It's a very simple procedure that takes a very short time in, in a provider's office. And then it's left there for a period of time. And during that time, it's giving glucose information 24-7 very easily through a transmitter to an app. Now, it was only good for 90 days until a few months ago where the time period doubled to 180 days. So now all you would have to do is have it implanted twice a year. And they're already working on 365 days. So it'll be once a year. Why is this important? If somebody doesn't want to put it on all the time or can't put it on all the time, they don't have the dexterity, they don't have the vision, maybe they're a senior and they really don't have the cognitive ability to do it, it's put in for them and it stays there and that's it. I mean, it's kind of amazing. Well, it's really amazing. And I especially think about pediatrics or, you know, parents with children. That seems like a key. It's not approved, though. I just want to interrupt you. I'm sorry. It's not approved for children yet. I think it's 18. I think right now. But they're probably working on it. And their accuracy is uh, knock your socks off good. 
Okay. How about Dexcom? They're always doing something big. I know, and I'm waiting very impatiently for FDA to hurry up because the G7 is going to be much smaller and have a better algorithm. It's going to have a lot of advanced features. So that should be probably coming soon, I'm hoping. Okay, so maybe by the time we have the technology conference in December, maybe we'll see it. Oh, I hope so. So let's switch a little bit because I know you've done a lot of work in automated insulin delivery, right? And I I know that like with the apps, with the communication piece, right, between the CGM and the insulin pump, and I know you focused a lot here in the past several years, um, and it probably is part of the strategy thinking forward with, with your director of strategy role. Talk to us a little bit. What is happening with automated insulin delivery? I'm so glad that you asked me that question because this is the wave of the future. No matter how we try to count carbohydrates and calculate doses, and even if the device is calculating the dose for you, it's so imperfect. Ask anyone living with diabetes and they'll tell you that, you know, they do everything right and the outcome's not what they expect. So, When you think about insulin, there's really three main uses for insulin. It's for in-between meals and overnight. It's for covering your meals, and it's also for correcting highs. At this point, we have devices that can do two out of those three tasks. So that's very exciting. So at this point, the Medtronic is able to change in real time the basal rate, But it hasn't gotten to the correction part yet, but the 780, which is approved in Europe and elsewhere, is coming out very soon. So the Medtronic 780 will be able to do two out of the three tasks. The Tandem already does with the Control IQ algorithm, two out of the three tasks. And the Omnipod 5 just came out and does two out of the three tasks. So all that the person with diabetes has to do is worry about their food. How much am I eating? How much insulin do I need to take? And the device is going to help them do that. We're making it easier to live with diabetes. But what if I don't want to wear a pump? Not everybody wants to wear a pump. I have an intermediate step now I can offer my patients, which is very valuable. So Medtronic now is the owner of InPen, which we've known for a number of years. And it keeps getting better and better. It works with more and more devices. So all of these devices are communicating with at least one other thing. So when a pump or a smart pen or even a smart pen cap like Bigfoot talks to another device or devices, all of the information that we need to do to take care of our diabetes is all communicating together and working together to get the best possible outcome. We're going to see more and more of this in the future. So your Apple Watch is telling the information about your activity. You're able to not necessarily have to count carbs. A lot of these devices are letting you choose a small, medium, or large meal. How great is that? Because you know what? Counting carbs is fiction, even for specialists like us. (laughs) And I was part of an experiment like that once where... A bunch of diabetes expert nurse practitioners were given pictures of the same plates of food and, and we were supposed to guess how many carbs. It was all confidential. And we didn't agree amongst ourselves. It's hard to do that. So I think the whole notion of automated insulin delivery, calculating based on preferences that are entered into the devices, how much insulin for your food, how much insulin for your correction, and just giving you the recommendation and you deciding if it seems right to you or not, and you can modify it if you choose to. 
Although uh, research shows us that what it says is usually the same as what an endocrinologist or diabetes care and education specialist, it's equivalent. It's really good. So it's going to make it easier to live with diabetes and get better results. Well, and it's also going to make it easier for diabetes care and education specialists to broaden their reach, right, to work with Mm -hmm. more people. So if the devices can start to pick up certain pieces, you can reach more people. But it's also so important. And let me ask you this. I should ask this as a question instead of a statement. Do you think that it's so important for the DCES to continue working so closely with patients so that we understand all of those variables that go into these algorithms and then can work on adjusting those algorithms for future to to make technology even better? So important that you ask that. If we don't keep looking at the preferences that are set and making sure they're correct over time, and they will change over time, then the algorithm's not going to work as well. It can learn only so much from you, but there's some things that we have to modify. So looking at the outcomes, having conversations and digging deeper into what did you eat? What were you doing? Were you stressed? What was your last period? All of these kinds of questions, it all matters. So it's making it more possible for we to be able to assist our persons with diabetes to get the outcomes that they want. That's why the DCES is so important, why this meeting is so amazing. It's ma- really, really making a difference in people's lives. So, Jane, I know we have pumps. Do you want to talk a little bit about pumps and any other technology that we can fit in here? Well, there's a growing um, desire and uh, effort on the part of the pump companies and even some new pump companies to design pumps for people with type 2s. Because people with type 2 don't necessarily need such a sophisticated pump since they're helping by making some insulin, hopefully. So um, let me give you one example. The um, Secure Simplicity Pump. It's a very small patch pump. And it has two little bolus buttons, one on each side. It's very easy for people that don't have much dexterity to use it. And what happens is every time you eat, you give yourself a bolus. So you take an injection of a long-acting insulin once a day, and it's not so far away to have it once a week. There's several once-a-week basal insulins that are getting closer and closer to FDA submission. So the proposition could be once-a-week basal insulin, and every time they eat, click, click, give themselves their bolus. You're wearing your device. You don't have to carry it. You know, it's just it's an amazing idea. I wish I thought of it. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, you know, you, you think of so many things. I can't wait to see what is the technology that Jane Seeley thinks about in the future, right? You're going to become an It's going to be the one that's free, available to everyone, and it works by itself. <laughs> well, okay, so re- really quick. So we're at the conference, ADCES 22. We talked about, so we talked about CGMs. We talked about AID. We talked about pump technology. I know that you have a list of, like, hot topics. Could you leave us with maybe just a quick you know, uh, bullet points, like run us through like, hey, these are the things you want to look out for next year. Okay, so I want to bring up glucose monitoring because 80% of people with diabetes are still doing glucose monitoring, not wearing CGMs. And I'm hoping that number will change. But in the meantime, we need to make wise choices with glucose monitors. And there are some cool products that have reached market now. Uh, So let me give you one example, the Pogo. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's a very cool all-in-one device. And it's really good for people with dexterity issues, with visual impairment. They just have to um, turn it on, put their finger in this little 
sort of a hole with a circle around it. You can't miss it. And it sticks their finger, pulls the blood in, puts it on the strip all internally, and spits out an answer in a couple of seconds. It takes a really small sample. It's so easy. And I'm hoping that something like that would be something that non-healthcare licensed professionals would be allowed to use in um, home care, in schools, even on airplanes, anywhere, if you had to check someone's blood sugar, because it's really not, they're not touching anything. It, they should be able to do something like that. Uh, also, I want to give a shout out to apps because apps can really support people with diabetes. And there's so many, di- I think I read there's um, 250 health apps coming out every day in the app stores, 250. <laughs> and, and some of them can really help to guide the person on what to eat. You can take pictures of your food and it gives you advice about that. Um, it can remind you to check your blood sugar or all kinds of things. And it also in the app, it often combines all of the information from multiple devices in one place. Okay, so Pogo and apps, that's the, that's what we're looking for the next year, right? No, I'm looking for more people to wear CGMs. I'm looking for more people to have something that tells me how much insulin they're taking and when they're taking it, whether it's a smart cap, like Bigfoot, right. or it's the InPen, or it's an insulin pump. As long as I know exactly what they're doing and when they're doing it, that's a really important piece of information that we often don't get. Fantastic. Well, you know what, Jane, you get, we have one more day of this conference and I'm so happy I pulled you aside here because now you gave me a whole list of things that I'm going to like walk around this exhibit hall and look for and, and talk to, talk to people about it. So thank you so much. I appreciate, always appreciate your time. Always appreciate you. You always bring us the best information about technology. Well, thank you. And I love this organization. I love this meeting. I can't wait for next year in Houston. (laughs) That's right. Houston. (laughs) Celebration of 50 years. Awesome. Thank you, Jane. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Huddle. Notes and resources from today's episode are linked in the show notes at diabeteseducator.org forward slash podcast. And remember, being an ADCES member gets you access to many resources, education, and networking opportunities. Learn about the many benefits of ADCES membership at diabeteseducator.org forward slash join. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.